Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, 90-Day New Job Plan, Relationships, Chapter 1. Here we go. Well, some time ago, I can't remember when. It was a while ago, though. We released our 90-day new uh, job plan, right? Right. And I recall during that podcast, we promised to give folks more details about the tasks that they need to do in order to be effective in the first three months of their new job. And so here we are. Right. We're, we're men of our word. Here we are with our promise. Yeah. So we're going to talk about relationships, right? I mean, what do we, what do we say about careers all the time? It's about results and relationships. And when you're just starting out, there are a lot of people in the world who are uncomfortable starting relationships. We respect that. And we all often ask professionals to do things they're not comfortable doing. If you want to have a great career, you can't tell us at the end of 30 years, well, I could have done better, but I'm just uncomfortable talking to people. You have to break through that. And what you discover after you do what we're going to recommend 10, 15, 20 times, it's not that bad. Your head doesn't explode and you're going to be fine. And it, particularly if you're starting your career now, starting sooner is better. Don't miss a couple of opportunities early on simply because you're uncomfortable. You're shy. You're reserved. Being shy or reserved is no negative to having a career as long as you're willing to work against it, okay? As long as you're willing to fight through it. And that's what this cast is about. So let me, let me ask you a question before we start. Let me ask you because we often talk about the importance of results and relationships. You can't have one. You can't be successful right. long-term without both. You have to right. have results. Right. Obviously. Right. And you need to have relationships. Right. And this podcast to me is kind of interesting because probably half the people who are listening right now, maybe more just because of the, the type of our audience, they're thinking results, right? The first 90 days, they, we, we, I think we put this thing to bed a long time ago. Like, you got you, know, you have to change the world in 90 days. You have yeah, 90 no. days to make no, it big no, hit. No, no. So we, we talked about that last time. We don't need to go into that about right. the falseness of that. And I think most of those people are also willing to prioritize results way over relationship. If I have to get some results in the first 90 days and I need to break a few eggs to do so, I'm willing to do so. And I think we're saying, I think today we're talking about is like, no, you, you, you can't do that. In no. the first 90 days, you have to come out strong on the relationship side if you want to be successful long term. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we say in manager tools that you, that, you know, the first rule is fit in. And if you're not careful, if you burn bridges in relationships while you're getting results in the first 90 days, unless you achieve some really incredible results, which you probably won't in 90 days, the people that you'll need to carry your water later on in your, in your managerial tenure won't be there for you. You cannot you do go. it. Um, so yeah. So, so look, we're going to make a simple recommendation. This is probably one of the most simplistic casts, but we want many of you who are uncomfortable doing this stuff to hear it from us, to understand what we mean by it. And there are three simple recommendations. The first thing we're going to say is just ask. It's the simplest way to get stuff from people. Just ask them. Okay. Now, Many of you say, well, okay, but I don't know what to ask about. We understand. We respect that. What do you ask about? You ask about family. You ask about company history. You ask about their relationship with other people. You ask them about ex what they're good at, their expertise. And you ask them about behavioral patterns, about how they tend to do things, and so on. That's it. That's just a starting point. Okay? This is a further take on our 
conversational piece. It's actually probably a prequel to the how to be effective in a conversation mm-hmm. by having a tennis match. If you've not listened to the cast, we encourage you to do it. And then lastly, and this is something we could all do better at. I was just talking to somebody today about not using Siri to do this and not tapping onto my phone to do it, but rather writing things down. You've got to write down what you learn about people so that you'll remember it. Not because you're forgetful, but because you're going to get too much information and we all do forget. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people think that it's really hard to get information out of folks. And what you're saying here is, is don't make it harder than it needs to be. Just ask them, right? Yeah. And I go back to what I said earlier that, okay, for some of you, it's hard. For some people, it's easy. I, I've never had too much trouble. I just go up and ask. But I know I've certainly felt times where I was reticent to do something. And I'm sure that reticence is what some people feel about talking to other people. And you could say to yourself, you know, in 90 days, I'll have built up the courage and I'll walk by him enough. I'll finally make eye contact and say something to him. The problem is in the first 90 days, if there's someone who's warm and friendly and you're not behaving in a warm and friendly way to them, they're going to assume you're cold and it's going to be much harder to start a relationship mm-hmm. le- yeah. later. So it's way better. Uh, in the first three months, you've got the perfect opportunity. Nobody expects you to know anything. Okay. They know you just arrived. You don't know anything. The questions are natural, right? Yeah. If, I, if, if somebody walked into your building for the first time and they started asking you questions about the people, yeah. about the process, about whatever, you go like, okay. I think one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest hurdles to asking questions is that people assume asking questions is a sign of weakness. Uh, and in fact, a, a question is, it can be weakness if in fact you don't know something you're supposed to know. But if you ask it in a weak way, in an apologetic way, as it suggests everybody knows this but me, then it does come across perhaps as weakness. The only thing weaker than asking a question is not knowing it. And most people in the beginning know you don't know anything and then not asking at all. Uh, and acting as if you do, when in fact, when they need to rely on you for having that information, you don't have it. The more powerful thing than not asking, unless you're willing to bluff, right? Unless you're willing to bluff and say, oh, the most powerful thing is for me not to know, for me not have to do anything different, and then to bluff as if I do know it. And, you know, fine, as long as you're willing to have your bluff called and you act as if you do know something because you were in a meeting where it was discussed and you didn't understand it and you didn't ask questions and they ask you to get involved and you're in trouble. But, Bottom line is, the more powerful thing than not asking is to ask and to be confident enough to say, I know what I don't know. What I don't know is okay. Now, if you've been in the same job for 20 years and there's still stuff you don't know, that may be a weakness, but it's still better to be confident enough to admit it and to say, look, I admit I don't know. I regret it. And I'd like to know, can you please tell me more about that? And, you know, we actually have seen people recommend new people managers, when you get a new person in, make sure they get the fresh eyes technique, which means, hey, you're new here, you're fresh. We're going to say things that make no sense to you that you're going to suggest a completely different way that's completely normal to you. And everybody's going to go, oh, we never thought of it that way because that's just the way we've always done it. Right. So we want those fresh eyes. So it's okay. You have, you have leeway, generally speaking. There are rare exceptions, but generally speaking, you have leeway to ask stupid questions, to ask questions about the things which are sacrosanct or nobody talks about. It's okay to ask. Why do we do it that way? What about this? What about that? How about, um, I've seen some folks do, um, they set up getting to know you meetings with their folks. What do you, what do you think about that? Is that, a, is that a appropriate thing to do? Yeah, I don't, look, if you're a manager, I don't, I think you'd be crazy not to, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It gives you the opportunity to ask all the questions you want. But look, you don't have to be a manager to order to have those kind of meetings, right? You may not have the, the authority to put them down on your fellow, your teammates, your peers' calendars. 
Or you certainly couldn't you know, say, I, boss, I put a half an hour on our calendar so I could ask you a bunch of questions. Yeah. But you could ask people for time to do yeah. that. Right? You, can, you can ask to, for some time to get to know them better, right? Understand their job. Take time during a coffee break. Hey, I'm going to get co- Can I buy a coffee? I'd like to learn more about what you do. Okay? I'm amazed at people before and after meetings, right? They walk in at the last minute. They sit down. There's people sitting next to people whom they don't know that well. They don't introduce themselves, which in a fashion is just rude. It's just rude, Right. And people who could be five minutes early to greet everybody when they come in, but don't wait until the last minute to walk in, and then walk right out of a meeting, avoid people to act as if they need to get back to their desk. And what are they getting back to their desk for 90% of the time? For email, right? right? When they just walk by six or seven people with whom a relationship may in fact be necessary two, three, four weeks later. Right. Well, And these meetings aren't interrogations, right? I mean, if, you, if you're a high D, if you're kind of hard-charging, dr- driven kind of guy or gal, yeah. you might want to like... Just step it back a notch. Don't make yeah, it seem like an Yeah, and look, it's okay to be curious. And the fact is, if you're if you try to be curious, you don't, you don't have to tell people I'm you know check things off saying I, I know X, I know Y, I know Z, I've got everything I need to know now, right? But you want to be open to whatever anybody tells you, and then remember to write it down as soon as you can. But right. yeah, yeah, gentle, open-ended questions are going to make the conversation feel more natural. This is just like a tennis match. You're going to ask some questions. Hopefully, they'll answer them, and they'll ask you a question back. But if you ask a relaxed question, and we'll give you some examples here, nobody's going to feel like you're interrogating them just to fill up a notebook of information that you need for your career. Right. There's two purposes here, right? One, you're trying to gather information. Yeah. And secondly, you're trying to do that while developing a relationship. Don't get all the information you could possibly get at the at the cost of pinching the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So look, things like, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do on the team or what your role is on the team? Can you clarify for me how what you do relates to what Jill does? I'm still confused. I know you guys work together, but I don't really understand it. Or Bill seems like a great guy. Can you tell me about his family? Now, is that okay? What? Is it, yeah, is that okay of course, ask sure. Yeah. Of course it is. Cause, because this is something that, that you and I have talked about before about the whole gray area between personal and professional. And there's some people who take issue with it and take umbrage with it and say, oh, you can't ask about my family. And, well, okay, that's fine. But if I can't ask about your family, you can't ask for time off for the family that <laughs> I don't know anything right. about. Um, but more importantly, sure. I mean, uh, uh, professionals go home from work, whatever we entrust them with at work. And they raise their children and they balance their budgets and they pay their mortgages and they they get involved in, in school events and they get involved in their community and they get involved in their church or their mosque or their synagogue or whatever it might be. They're the fabric of the life of a community that they're in. The idea that they don't have a personal life is crazy. So, you know, if you see Bill, you walk by Bill's destiny, has a lot of pictures of young kids. Well, Okay. Hey, I noticed Bill has a picture of a lot of young kids, and yet he's pretty young. Does he have, he have kids? And so, oh, yeah, he's got five kids. He started earlier or something. You know, that, that's yeah. normal. Yeah. On the other hand, on the other hand, you're not looking for opportunities to get Joe to throw Bill under the bus. Well, right? You're no. not going to say, hey, Joe, when's the last time Bill stole from the company? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's okay to ask one person about another one. You don't ask the question that, like, as you mentioned. But if your directs have directs, if you're, a, if you're a director and you have managers working for you and they have directs, it's totally okay to ask for work performance. Hey, tell me about some of the guys on your team. I want to make some notes. Okay. But 
peer to peer, you just want to be cautious about that. And it depends on whether you're brand new or not. I wouldn't ask that in the first week. Look, if you ask an open-ended question and you pay attention to who answers openly and who is guarded, you know who to ask less of, the person who's guarded, and who to ask more of, the person who tends to be open. Right. Just pay attention. So help me out. What kind of questions are you going to ask? I love it when you say help me out. I feel like I exist to help you out, right? Um, you, you haven't said, yeah, nobody yeah. told you that? No, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Can I get you anything before while we're here? Folks, Coffee, tea, you anything. witnessed yeah. the discovery. Yeah. <laughs> it happened yeah. today. Look, we're asking questions in order to develop a relationship with somebody, okay? So we need to know the things that are going to help us relate to them. And those are going to help those things that will help us work with them. So first thing on the list, family. I'm not suggesting it's your first question necessarily, but look, family is more important to most people than work. Okay. And folks, if you're not in that group, you're in a very, very small minority. It's okay to not feel that family is more important than work, but just be clear, you're rare and don't assume that the world is like you. Okay. So finding out about somebody's family, the thing which is most important to them needs to be important to you if you want to have a relationship with someone. Ask about their family. Ask their spouse's names. Ask their kids' names. Uh, and then remember their names afterwards and what they're into when you talk to that coworker later on in the week or the month. Now, there are people who are listening right now who are saying, I can't believe they're still talking about this family thing. You know, there's some people who want it off limits. Yes, and that's absolutely true. And I don't have any problem with somebody being off limits. The person who wants it to be off limits, who suggests that they're for everyone else should stop asking is abusing relationships. Your rules don't apply to everyone. In fact, your rules are held in an extremely small minority of people that a lot of other folks think of as antisocial. Now, you may not be antisocial. That said, you do not have to share about your family. Other people do not have to share about their family. It is therefore, though, not a crime to ask someone about one's family. In fact, in a typical business, professional, even quasi-personal professional relationship, not asking about someone's family after a month or two is considered inappropriate. It's considered avoiding the 900-pound gorilla in the room. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a difference between saying I wish to wish to stay private, which is completely your right and prerogative, and will respect it. There's a difference between that and saying, and so therefore the question shouldn't be asked, because asking about people's lives as a way of strengthening one's relationships is as normal as the human race since the beginning. It's what we do. We ask about one another in a polite and professional way. Yeah, there are certain rules in the workplace that might be relaxed at a pub or at a family gathering or at a local barbecue. But fundamentally, asking about someone else's family is not rude. It's not inappropriate. The opposite is actually true. Nevertheless, it is still okay to say, well, I really don't talk about my family at work. And if I, if I asked you about your family, so I don't really talk about my family at work and say, oh, okay, I won't ask. No worries. It's fine. But again, there's a difference between someone asking or someone not wanting to talk about it and, and then therefore saying that someone asking is rude. Is rude, right. Yeah. yeah. Second thing you talk about, company history. To understand the person you're talking to, how long have they been with the company? Well, you know, how long have you been here? What jobs have you had? Is Joe your first boss? Maybe you and you and Bob are talking and Joe's your boss and Joe is his boss as well. And you say, Joe, your first boss here? Or have you worked for other bosses? Or no, I wish you used to Joe... work for Mary. Let me tell you about Mary. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here's perk up there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What their ambitions are. And, and look, you may not get all this in one conversation. It may be two or three or four or 10 conversations. 
But the idea is fill in the blanks on who they are at work in terms of their work history. And look, if you can't imagine needing to know where one of your coworkers previously worked, just imagine being new and needing some help from a different department. You don't have any relationships there, but your coworkers could. You know, I heard someone say the other day that, that it was a joke that if something happened in, in a cube farm, that someone would, there would be prairie dog and people would pop up and look around and go, what happened? On the other hand, I used to prairie dog all the time. I used to stand up and go, anybody know anybody over in X? And somebody would always say, yeah, I know. I said, can you take me over there and introduce them? Or can you make a phone call for me? Can you do this? Do that? Like, fine, right? Uh, Call on other people's relationships. Now, what I discovered pretty quickly is that I had a lot of relationships and people would always be asking me, but that made me sort of the go-to guy for some of the stuff we were doing. And if you're new and you don't have any relationships, it's okay to ask to leverage other people's relationships, provided you do it professionally and you burnish the relationship rather than tarnish it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's talk about relationships with others a little bit more. Is it appropriate? Is it okay to ask folks about their relationships with others? It seems like that might be a little bit more sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Questions can be more sensitive and I would wait to ask them until you knew better till you had a better relationship, until you gotten past, you know, how long have you worked here? And I'm sorry, what's your name again? <laughs> yeah, I think the best way to get a sense of relationship, people's relationships with others, is to watch, is to observe, right? In a staff meeting, watch for who supports whom and who doesn't. Take note of who goes to lunch with whom. Take note of who covers for whom during absences. Take note of who does favors for whom. Who asks favors, really, actually, is probably the better thing. All of that can give you a sense of where the unwritten connections are in the workplace between peers and not peers as well, right? The one guy in your team who's well thought of, who never eats lunch with your team and always eats lunch with another team, I'd want to know more about that. I'd want to understand that a little bit more and I'd start paying attention for the next 30 days and probably within 30 days I'd figure it out. Unrelated to this podcast, somebody recently posted something in the uh, forums about software for mapping relationships within organizations, which... I can't imagine buying a piece of software to go well, do that, but it, yeah, there it is interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I, and there are companies, we've talked about it before, that are yeah. brilliant at mapping, at doing analytics on electronic communications and physical locality. And they've actually done some studies recently where people wear necklaces with GPS positioning, precise oh, wow, positioning stuff, see who talks to whom and so on. And I think actually in the Harvard Business Review recently, Harvard Business Review recently it said something to the effect of, the key is have everybody have a break at the same time or something like that. So they all run into one another at the water cooler or something like that. Uh, I think for the average individual, overkill. A little no, much. A little not, much. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, look, for a long time, I can't remember the name of the software now, I had some really power. I want to say it was ACT, um, Activity Contacts Time, and it had a fabulous contact database. There were a couple others that I used. Goldmine. That were, I, gold, I never gold. used Goldmine. But I think it was Act, Act 2. There were a couple of others that I used and I loved them and they were, they all talked to one another through some sort of, some sort of file exchange format and very helpful, particularly when you're dealing with client, external people and you want to keep track of little bits and pieces that they said. And of course, the danger is always you forget to enter data that you wish right. you had. You wish you had it later on. Uh, which again, we'll talk about in a little bit. But look, something else you can ask is the expertise point. You don't ask what's your expertise. On the other hand, what's your favorite part of your job? will tend to get people talking about what they like, and that tends to be what people are good at. That's, um, a, that's another question you could ask somebody else, right? It would be a fairly innocuous question. Hey, 
if I wanted X around here, who'd be the person to talk to? Yeah. Who's, who's the expert there? I right? love that, right? Yeah. And and they will then talk about someone else, but you're not saying, hey, is Jane an expert or is Bob an expert? Like you're trying to find out about Jane or Bob. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Yeah. And last thing is behavioral patterns, right? We really probably don't have to ask about them. First, people love to tell other people about other people's idiosyncrasies, right? <laughs> you really? Um, yeah. The whole don't talk to Jim until he's had his coffee. Um, I remember at West Point, we used to, as a plebe, they made us say, good morning, sir. And I remember, you know, before breakfast formation at 630 in the morning, half of the first classmen would say half right, meaning it's morning, but it's not necessarily <laughs> yeah, good because yeah. I haven't had my coffee. I didn't think this was, we didn't have coffee in the barracks, did we? Was there coffee in the barracks? No, you could, yeah, you, could, sneak, you could heat you something could, up. You could get one of those little coil yeah, coil water things, heaters. Which were so. illegal, right? As yeah. I recall. Yeah. Folks, yeah, the yes, first coffee. yes, there are schools. You can, you can be in college and having a little hot water heater is illegal. Yeah. That was, they were, they were actually, not the, they weren't dorms or they weren't frat houses. They were barracks. So uh, that gives you some sense of how much fun we had. But yeah, the first coffee we ever had in the morning was sitting down at the breakfast table, right? And hopefully the milk. With the you, entire cork And hopefully the milk that you stored on your ledge yeah, yeah, outside your frozen, window. Was, not frozen overnight. Or was not yeah, spoiled. Or not spoiled, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but look. You don't have to ask about behavioral issues. You can ask. If Bob wants to know the best way to approach Jim about a difficult topic, asking Jill's advice will make Jill feel knowledgeable and get Bob the information he needs. So you'd say, as you said, you know, who knows anymore about that? Or, you know, who would I talk to about this or that? And do you think you'd be okay if I talked to him? Sure, of course. I also think that people sit in meetings and are so worried about what they have to say that they don't pay attention to what other people are saying. Mm. And I think a lot of people complain about meetings they don't need to be in. And in the first 90 to 120 days, you're not going to contribute a lot. That's when you should be soaking up. That's when you're taking an investment from the organization. They're investing their time so you can see them doing stuff and learn how they tend to be. And I have to say, it would be nice for many of you, if you don't know anything about DISC, to take the DISC profile, to learn enough about it, uh, you don't necessarily have to come to our effective communications conference. You can just listen to the discast. And by doing so, you'll know enough t- to help you get a sense of how you might be able to interact with those people as you watch their behavior in meetings and so on. Of course, you learn a whole bunch of stuff and you cannot remember it all. So you have you have to write this stuff down. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to be very honest and say I'm not as good at this as I should be. Now, I have a pretty good memory. I'm not great with names. Really not. Hmm. But that surprised I, me because I think you are. No, no I'll, I'll you tell you why. I'll tell you. I've said this before. We have a podcast about about remembering names, and what I tell people is let pe- let yourself off the hook. It's okay to not remember people's names. Uh, the fear you get of not knowing somebody's name goes beyond you stress into distress, and people panic, and then they get nervous, and they try to avoid saying the not name, and then people notice. I'll tell you what I do. I try to remember people's names, and I might be better at it than most people. But I don't measure myself. The reason I say I'm not any good at it is I know people who are better than me at it. And I don't measure myself on whether I remember people's names. I measure myself whether or not if I don't remember their name, I quickly say, I'm so sorry I've forgotten your name, which people will forgive over and over and over again. And by the way, the third or fourth time you ask, or even the second time you ask, the emotional anchoring of embarrassment that you have to ask helps, remember. helps you remember <laughs> it the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time. I'm not doing that again. Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, I, yeah. yeah, for me, the problem is somebody says their name and say, hi, Bob, nice to meet you. And then like literally 10 seconds later, I go like, oh, crap. 
What's his yeah. name? Yeah, I, I'll tell you something about that. I have come to the conclusion in watching clients, the reason that's the case is because those are dominant people. They're D's and I's, in my experience, and they are not listening. They are waiting to talk. There's the old joke that in America, the opposite of listening is not talking. It's waiting to talk. Uh, the opposite of talking is not listening. It's waiting to talk. And, and I think you really have to, if you're an assertive person, if you're a high D or an I in the DIS model, you have to learn to put yourself in neutral because you're, remember, communication is what the listener does, right? But if you're not listening, you're waiting to say what you want to say, the next thing. Yeah, but when I yeah. do that, all the, 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 the atoms and molecules in my body start vibrating yes. at high frequency and I start heating it yeah, up. Yeah, it's not good. When your face turns red, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, look, we know you want to write it down, and yet it's easy to forget, and we're going to let you off that hook a billion times because we've all done it ourselves. You know, the example that I like to use is kids' names. It's embarrassing to have to ask about kids' names twice because kids' names to those parents are the most important, sweetest things in the world. But, look, it doesn't matter what your intent is. It doesn't matter how guilty you feel. What matters is action and results. So write down the information you need to remember. Be late to a meeting. I hate to say that. If you're, if you're going to be on time to a meeting and then somebody gives you three kids' names, stop. If you're always on time to a meeting, being late by 30 seconds is not going to kill you. Find a piece of paper. Now, I admit, I don't recommend writing on your hand. We find that unprofessional. You might have to one out of every thousand times. But, you know, there's got to be a desk nearby. Grab a piece of scratch paper and write Joe and then write, you know, K. I, I write a K with a circle around it and then a dash, and then I write kids' names. And I used to write down ages, but now I've learned not to do that. I write down, when they tell me the ages, I write them down once, and I immediately cross out the age, and I put down the equivalent birth year. Right. So that way, when I write it down and put it in their contact information, I know 10 years later, they're not still five. (laughs) Right. Um, And look, you might still forget, and you may not get their names right. And I've said to many conferences, and and, uh um, I've had a few people uh, stay in touch with me over the years and politely always ask the names of my ask after the names of my kids, Kate, Travis, and Drake. And if someone came to me and says, "Mark, how are you?" I said, "Fine. How are you? Good. And how are your children, Kate and Travis?" And I can't remember. I want to say Derek. I said, "No, it's Drake." He gets huge credit. Big he time. gets ninety percent credit, not fifty percent credit, for remembering two out of the three, and even just being close. If 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 he said Katie, which Kate would hate as a name, I would still give him credit for being close. If he said Catherine, if he said Trevor, something like that, or he said, you know, I want to say it's some cool name, but I've forgotten, I'd still give him credit for the impression he's giving me that it's on the tip of his tongue. So for those of you who do remember, and some of you do, I I appreciate it. And if you forget, it's okay. It's okay to ask again. And the solution is being willing to admit and asking again, and also writing it down as fast as you can. Make the effort, write it down, and then get it into your system. There you go. Pretty simple stuff. Yeah, it's not rocket science, and it's a life skill, right? Yeah. It really is. And we're all getting better at it all the time. And those people who are getting better at it the fastest are the ones who pay attention to other people, and they're the ones who have the best relationships. And when the stuff hits the fan, guys, you know, we're recording this in 2012. But if your relationships were solid, and to be very blunt about it, your resume was current, in 2007, 2008, and certainly things were pretty, pretty bad in 2008. Some people were prepared and didn't do well, but when everything fell apart in the financial world and then everywhere else also. But it, the more prepared you are, the better relationships you have, the shorter the time you're in, in stress, uh, and the easier the transition. So ask people, 
when you start every new job, start over again and say, fresh slate, I'm going to be better at this. Don't be afraid to ask. Or I shouldn't tell you what emotions to have. I apologize for that. Even if you're afraid, go ahead and ask. We promise you, you'll get better at it and you'll get over it. And then you'll discover, why did I ever think that was hard? Uh, ask about their family, company history, other people they know, what they're good at, and pay attention to their behavioral patterns, and then write it down. Again, not, not rocket science, but makes a big difference. Pretty straightforward. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, partner. Enjoyed that. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one, folks. See ya. <laughs>